All right, everyone, welcome back to another week of Cause for Joy. We hope this finds you doing well. Uh, I know for us, it's finding us kind of almost snowed in a little bit. Currently, as I'm saying this, Jonah is stirring his hot chocolate mm. as he's making sure that all of our tech equipment works. Don't spill the hot chocolate, Jonah. Oh, I d- he can't he can't respond. He doesn't have a microphone. <laughs> Unlike our fact checker, fact checker is Jonah indeed stirring his hot chocolate. Fact right checker, fact, fact checker doesn't, doesn't have a microphone. microphone. Oh no! <laughs> what is this podcast coming to? Budget cuts, man. Man, Yikes. well, that's Shoot. okay. We still we still love you, Jonah. You don't have to put your hot chocolate down. You could you can keep it up. It's fine. But anyways, we we're recording on snow day. Yeah, like, it is really snowing and really coming down out there a lot of schools are closed parishes are closed mm-hmm. it's uh it's kind of fun it takes me back to when snow days were like the one thing like talk about a cause for joy right As right <laughs> right snow right. days were a cause for joy well i gotta be honest when i woke up this morning it was yeah, i woke up at five or whatever i looked outside i'm like mm, i don't think we're gonna get this snow like it was supposed to start by now you know and then you know six o'clock rolled around i'm like still nothing seven o'clock still nothing but then by like seven fifteen, it had started and then when I got into the office I told our maintenance person I was like uh are we really supposed to get as much snow as they're saying and and she said yeah that we are so and we still decided to uh get together and record so mm-hmm. yeah what did you guys do as kids on snow days did you go sledding did yes. you enjoy the good indoors around the fire yeah well we didn't have a wood burner until I was probably older high school I may have even been out of the house in college I can't remember but growing up it was sledding our backyard was a a hill and so we would go sledding or we would build snowmen that were like seven feet tall you know epic that's what we did what about you make any sweet jumps on those hills uh no because there it was a smooth hill oh and so we just didn't like i think at the very end we may have did a little ramp onto the road this is so dangerous kids don't do this (laughs) do not do this advisory uh but because on the other side of the road there were woods okay and so if we could kind of jump over the road into the woods but then you had to be careful not to hit a tree yeah and if you went over the river and you went through the woods you would end up at grandma's house it, yeah right it would That's... be several woods and roads sure to get to my grandma's house but i mean it could be possible yeah. i mean hy- yeah, in yeah, a yeah. hypothetical world right yeah that's yeah little red riding hood would be there too i think is that those are two up, uh, <laughs> two nursery rhymes slash children's stories but that's wow. true that's all right mary kate can't handle this right welcome on this podcast <laughs> little red riding hood yeah chicken little that's not even a nursery rhyme that's no, not at all. <laughs> three little Shows pigs. Shows how much I know. Were the three little pigs in nursery rhyme? Yeah. Was that yes. A, this little piggy. Did you ever, did you ever? This little piggy went, wee, 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 all the way home. Did you ever read okay. the book, The Stinky Cheese Man? What? It was like the original kind of, sp- you know how Shrek was like a spoof on fairy tales? Yeah. The, the Stinky Cheese Man was a book that I read in elementary school that was kind of a spoof on fairy tales. It's a must read. I'm going to buy it for your kids, actually. Okay. That's how much I care about your children being cultured. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. I just, I have some strong feelings about this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Mary Kate, what did you do as a child in the snow? 
yeah, we would go outside, have snowball fights, build snow forts, snowmen, that kind of thing, and then come inside, make sure like you don't get the snow anywhere but in the entrance way because right. mom would not be happy. And then sit in the in front of the fire and read a good book. Nice. With mm. a cup of hot cocoa. Right. Oh, hot cocoa good. sounds so good right now. We would also get shovels and go to like the neighbors and be like, hey, can we shovel your driveway? And they'd be like, yeah, you know, and we'd get like five bucks from the neighbors. Oh, nice. Like you were rich. We had to shovel our driveway, but sadly my dad did not pay us to do that. He called shoveling and carrying wood when we did get a wood burner. Mm. He called those two activities family bonding time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so... Every once in a while, my sister and I still get texts from him. Man, I really miss family bonding time. (laughs) A.K.A. free child labor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's awesome. But anyways, we're grateful for the snow and just that everyone did get here safe to be able to record. So just grateful for that. And so today we're going to be diving into a topic that we hold close to our hearts, each of us in a slightly different way, but... We have just a deep love for it. So, Father, as I ask you to explain this as you take a sip of your coffee. Got to be caffeinated for this. Right. What is our topic for today? Sure. So we are talking about prayer. And I think it's important to talk about because it seems like a lot of times in the church we say things like, hey, like you should pray about this or, you know, how's your prayer life going? But it doesn't seem like we always get the best sense of direction as to how is it that I pray. And we've been encouraging our listeners to spend more time in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and pray, but maybe people have started to do that or they've, you know, gone back to doing it for a first time in a while and they're still not exactly sure, like, what should I be doing? What what actually does prayer consist of? So we thought that one of the best ways to approach a very wide umbrella topic such as prayer would be to talk about the three expressions of prayer. That's how the catechism words it. There's a lot of really good resources out there that I think as a team we would recommend if somebody wants to get some of the good kind of foundational understandings of what prayer is. There's uh, Fulfillment of All Desire by Dr. Ralph Martin. Uh, Pretty much any book by Father Jacques Philippe, in particular Time for God and Thirsting for Prayer are two really good ones. But We're basically going to unpack the catechism today, starting around paragraph 2700. That's where it starts to talk about sort of the three expressions of prayer. So we got three co-hosts, we got the three expressions, so we're just going to break those down, each person tackling one sort of dimension or or facet of prayer. So how about Mary-Kate, if you want to start us off by talking about what the catechism refers to as vocal prayer and how it is that we're going to differentiate that from the other two. Sure. So there's a lot of different forms of vocal prayer. So you've got memorized prayer, intercessory prayer, spontaneous prayer, and then you also have praise and worship. So I'd like to start with memorized prayer. This could be anything from the Hail Mary to the responses of the Mass that we all say. And we get this from when Christ was asked, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he gave them the Our Father, right? That's Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And right now, we're teaching Mary Tres how to pray by saying her night prayers and praying before meals. This is going to be the first way that we learn how to pray as kids. And sometimes throughout the day, she'll fold her hands and look at me and say, pray. 
So we will stop and we'll say a glory be or whatnot in that moment. And it's really special to see her learning how to pray by watching us. And this form of prayer is just absolutely vital to our spiritual life. And so with that, a part of that form of vocal prayer can also be a part of intercessory prayer. You know, a lot of times people will ask us to pray for them or we'll ask others to pray for us. And a lot of times when we're praying for someone else, we might use memorized prayer like the Our Father or the Hail Mary or whatnot. The Catechism says that intercession is a prayer of petition which leads us to pray as Jesus did. And that comes from paragraph 2634, so a little bit before paragraph 2700. Intercessory prayer is asking God for something for someone else. How many times do we ask others to pray for a specific intention, or do we ask other people to do the same for us? As Catholics, we will go to the saints or Our Lady and ask them to intercede on our behalf at the throne of God for us. And it's just like what we do with our friends, which, I mean, the saints should be our friends. We talked about this in season one, you know, Mm -hmm. who are our best friends. And so when I was thinking about intercessory prayer, it reminded me of a few episodes ago, Father, you talked about how you will do intercessory prayer with the students and the staff at the school. And I think that's just a special way to show people love. Because a lot of times I feel like we'll say, hey, can you pray for this? And we don't really know if that person's actually going to pray for it. But if we stop and say, hey, let's pray right now for this, it shows them that you care, you know. Mm -hmm. The next would be spontaneous prayer. And that's prayer that you can say right from the heart. When Jason and I were dating, a lot of times we would do as our night prayer, spontaneous prayer. And we would pray to be better in our daily lives. We would pray about what we were thankful for, what we wanted to ask God to bless us with. Jason would often pray for the virtues of St. Joseph. I would pray for the virtues of Mary, things of that sort. Now we pray for our children, for their vocations, etc. Which I have strong feelings about praying for your children's vocations and that they hear (laughs) the voice of God in their lives because vocations, all of the vocations are very important. I'll often joke that I really want my son Max to be a priest so that he can be Father Max Payne. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) the final one that I want to talk about is praise and worship. And this is a special kind of prayer because it's sung. St. Augustine once said that singing is praying twice. So that's how important it is. It's, it's basically like times two when you're praying. There are dozens of different songs on the Christian radio stations, in our hymnals, songs that have been passed down through the years that are great for this kind of prayer. It's as simple as picking a song or putting on a radio station and worshiping in the car or wherever you might be, in the kitchen, you know, playing with your kids. I have done praise and worship prostrate in front of a crucifix before, in front of Jesus in the Eucharist during retreats, all different types of places. I've sung sad songs, joyful songs, whatever you are going through in your life, there is a praise and worship song for it. I remember so many times looking up at the stars and singing, oh God beyond all praising, into the night because, I mean, oh God beyond all praising. Let's all raise our glasses to that here, here. Oh God beyond all praising. Okay. Okay. I didn't I actually guess I take was, a sip of my I water. I guess I was the only one actually <laughs> taking a sip of my coffee there. 
Uh, <laughs> and then uh, just the other day, I was actually singing while Mary Chez was eating her lunch. And I had my hands slightly open into an Oran's position. And I looked over at Mary Trez and she had her hands up doing what I was doing, watching me. And it was such a powerful moment because no matter who you are, little kids are watching you. And it's, it's a powerful testament to look into our own selves and say, how is our prayer life? If they're watching me and they're learning from me, no matter who you are, whether you're a single person, married, a priest, kids are watching you. And how are we showing them to pray? And I just wanted to make a small note. You don't have to have your hands open when you're singing praise and worship. Like if you're Mm -hmm. driving in the car, please don't do that because that would not be good. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) But some people do like to have varying positions of having their hands out or open to help remind themselves to open their hearts and their bodies to praise their creator. And so you know, you can have your hands all the way up. You can have them just down at your sides and with your hands open. You can be folding your hands. Doesn't matter. It's not a requirement to sing praise and worship. So that's just the small note that I wanted to to make there. But yeah, that's that's what I have to say about vocal prayer. It's, like I said, it's one of the first ways that we learn how to pray. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very important. Could I ask, are there any, you, you kind of touched on a few of them, but are there any vocal prayers that you consider it to be your favorites maybe you have a litany that you really like or a certain Mm -hmm. devotion like the rosary or something what are some of the ones that you have as kind of go-to's so a couple of the ones that i really like i really like to pray the angelus at noon Mm -hmm. for our night prayers with mary trez we'll always do to start off we'll do the night prayer from the liturgy of the hours and then i would also have to say one of my absolute favorites is the Anima Christi. And Jason and I will always pray that together right after communion, just as a reminder of everything that he has done for us. We've been doing that since we were dating, and now we're holding kids while we're praying it, but it's still just as powerful as it was back then. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, and, and thanks mm-hmm. for that note of the importance of uh, modeling that prayer for the kids and how it's not necessarily just what you say, but they're just watching you. And when they see you in prayer, that makes a deep impression on them. So thanks for doing that. And yeah. I, I think that's going to be good inspiration for all of our listeners. So that's a good intro to what vocal prayer is all about. Some of the different memorized prayers that we have in our tradition, etc. And now, Emma, can you take us to kind of the next step? What does the church tell us about now meditative prayer and how you move from more of a vocal prayer to then becoming more uh, meditative. Sure. Yeah. So, as as Father mentioned, you know, the vocal prayer it, it's kind of the first. It's like the base level, right? We're going to be talking about you know, there's meditative prayer, but then also the third level, which is contemplative prayer. These it, it kind of goes in order from the vocal prayer to your meditative mental prayer, whatever, however you want to call it. It can be listed both ways, but then you ascend even higher with contemplative prayer. So this is the second step, if you will, in the levels of prayer. And so in the catechism, I want to just read here in paragraph 2705, the very first sentence of that paragraph begins with meditation is above all a quest. It is above all a quest. And I found that to be, for me, just... A, a very short explanation of what meditation is. Our entire 
Christian journey is a quest of finding God. And so when we move from vocal prayer to mental prayer, we are now moving from something that we're saying with our lips, you know, we're actually voicing, or even you could be saying it quietly, you know, within your mind, but you're moving from that to now you're starting to have a conversation more so with God. You're, you're opening this listening time as well. You're reflecting, you're, you're really just kind of chewing on what the Lord is saying or what you're reading. And, and Father will go, it, that goes a little bit further when you talk about contemplative prayer. And so we'll get to that in a little bit. But meditation is above all a quest. And so it's, it is a quest of the mind, seeking, understanding, of the how and why of our Christian life and what the Lord is asking us based on, as I said, what we're meditating on. Because when it comes to meditative or mental prayer, it's very common for people to be reading something while they're reflecting. Right? So maybe you're reading part of sacred scripture. Maybe you're reading the gospel text or the mass readings for the day. Or maybe you pray the liturgy of the hours. You read the first antiphon and psalm and you sit there and you reflect on that before you go on to the second or to the third or maybe you reflect on the reading within the hour it's that slowing down and really what is it that you're reading what is it speaking you know what is it speaking to your heart what is it speaking to your mind and so we're starting to to now seek this understanding of the how and why in this stage and it this stage too is where we're starting to go from your basically heady prayer. So your mind prayer, you're starting to transfer that to your heart. You're starting to make these connections. And so you cannot reach meditative or mental prayer without first engaging in vocal prayer. Why? Because there's something that's called the, the faculties of the will and the mind, that when you engage in vocal prayer, you are starting to engage the faculties of the will and of the mind, and the intellect, to God. Right. So you're it's like opening this invitation. And so then meditative and mental prayer, you now you're taking that deeper. It's just like when you're conversing with a friend. Right. You may talk about something, you may say something, and then that friend may take a few minutes before responding because they're reflecting on it or they're meditating on what you just said before they respond. So that's kind of where we're at here in this stage of prayer. One of the great Carmelite saints on the interior life, St. Teresa of Avila, maybe you've heard of her, she explains that mental prayer is nothing else than an intimate friendship, a frequent heart-to-heart with him, with Jesus, with God, the Father, Holy Spirit, and with God the Son as well, by whom we know ourselves to be loved. So mental prayer is nothing else than an intimate friendship, a frequent heart-to-heart with him, by whom we know ourselves to be loved. I found that to just be a, a beautiful explanation of what this is. It's this intimate friendship. It's this starting of this intimate communication with our triune God. And so it's a movement of the mind. It's a movement of the mind, and it allows us to begin to discern the will of God in our lives. You know, how is God speaking to us, and what is it that he wants us to hear? And so we cannot listen to the voice of God and truly allow it to transform our lives if we are not also then willing to be purged of our habitual sins and vices that prevent us from being all in and following God's plan for our lives. So that's what happens at this stage of prayer as well. 
we start to recognize our sin. We start to recognize our vices. And the Lord is going to start purging us of this. He's going to start calling it to mind and give us a little bit of a kick too, you know, to to really weed that out of our lives so that we can be able to grow in virtue as well. Another uh, great Carmelite mystic, St. John of the Cross, he would say, without the aid of mental prayer, the soul cannot triumph over the forces of the demon. Without being with, with the Lord, reflecting and meditating on the mysteries of the life of Jesus, whether it be through the rosary or reading sacred scripture and praying Lexio Divina with, with the scriptures, and really doing that exercise of the mind, it's really hard to defeat the, the evil one. Or you also have another example. St. Alphonsus Liguori says that it is morally impossible for him who neglects meditation to live without sin. So just let that one sink in for a little bit, right? <laughs> it is morally impossible for him who neglects meditation to live without sin. Why, again, meditation is that exercise of the mind, of the will. It's that spiritual exercise that helps us grow closer with Jesus. And these saints, they don't make these kinds of statements or they don't talk about mental prayer or meditation like this without a sense of charity, without a sense of love. Like They don't say that to us to frighten us, but as a motivation to go deeper with our Lord. And so when we don't have a consistent prayer life, it's a lot easier for Satan to get a hold of us. But when we do have a consistent prayer life, especially when we take those times to just quiet our soul, quiet our mind, and be with Jesus, we have a lot better chance of fending off the attacks of the evil one in the future. And so it is necessary, meditation, mental prayer, however you want to call it, it's necessary for us to begin to conform ourselves to God's will, right? It's it's him, you know, it's like we're clay in the potter's hands, and it's him molding and shaping us into this beautiful creation. And he does that when we spend time with him, when we listen to what he is trying to say. It doesn't mean that it'll happen overnight, but it is a slow process, right? Sainthood doesn't just happen overnight, as much as we would love for it to happen that way. It, it's a slow and painful process sometimes. And so this is a process in which we're learning to live the Gospels and be transformed by them. As I mentioned earlier, what is this meditative mental prayer? We're starting to move from the head to the heart in our prayer. And it's when we reflect, we pause, we meditate, we reflect on things that we're reading, or even the rosary is a great meditative prayer. You reflect on the mysteries of the life of Christ. So it engages our thoughts, imagination, emotions, desires, things of that sort. So that's in a nutshell. We could go a lot deeper into mental and meditative prayer, but that's in a nutshell what it is. And it's a very beautiful form of prayer uh, as well. That's great. That's great. And it reminds me too, I was just reading this past week, there's a a book where this author is talking about the experience that a lot of priests have and others who pray the Liturgy of the Hours, who pray the prayers and they just feel like they're not getting anything out of it or it just feels Mm -hmm. dry. And he kind of challenges the person to reflect on, well, did you take a moment before you began to just kind of quiet yourself, to be recollected, to acknowledge that you're in God's presence, to have a sense of what it is that this prayer is doing, and then beginning to pray? Because the vocal prayer in and of itself is is good, mm-hmm. but it's meant to help facilitate this deeper movement into meditation. The same with the rosary. It's not just rattling off prayers. It's meant to help facilitate then the chance to meditate on these different 
mysteries of the rosary. So I think you did a, a good job there showing how vocal prayer can then lead us into more of a disposition of meditating mm-hmm. on these uh, sacred mysteries of our faith. And it, it also helps us get out of the routine of just going through the motions in prayer, right. too. Right. You know, I think sometimes we can say an Our Father or Hail Mary, or we could pray the Mass just out of, oh, we're just going through the motions. But when we start to, when we ask the Holy Spirit, as you said, Father, before we even begin, ask the Holy Spirit, open my mind, open my heart to hear what you want me to say. It allows for us to slow down, to reflect, to meditate. And I mean, I'm guilty as anybody when I'm praying the liturgy of the hours. There's some days where I'm just like flying through it Mm -hmm. just to get it done. But then it's, no, slow down. You know, just pause for a few minutes. Or even, it doesn't even have to be a few minutes. It could even just be a few seconds after each psalm. I'll tell you that it radically transforms that prayer. It does. It does. Prayer becomes less of a checklist kind of item that Mm -hmm. I check off, that I did it. And it becomes more, okay, this is a chance for me to commune with the triune mm-hmm. God, you know, that's a, that's a different mindset from I did the prayer. Right. You know? it, it becomes that relationship. Exactly. You know? and, and yeah, communing and spending time with the one whom you are praying with and exactly. talking with. Exactly. Because all of this is ultimately, I mean, prayer is sort of a training grounds for us to prepare for what heaven is going to be like, right? That communion that we'll be able to experience with God, being able to behold him face to face, the communion that we'll have with all of the saints, all of the blessed who have gone before us. Prayer right now is sort of preparing us for that moment. I think that's good Mm -hmm. to have that sort of long-term image in mind. That's, that's why I'm praying right now. It's, it's experiencing now what I hope to enjoy in its fullness for all eternity. So Mm -hmm. when you're mentioning these words about you know, meditation being a quest and prayer being this, this sort of quest. In a certain sense, we never really get to the summit and say, okay, now like I've completed all of the levels like in a video right. game, right? <laughs> like I, I defeated the bad guy and now I am done. There's nothing else to do. I, I think I was trying to look it up when you were speaking. I, I couldn't find the exact quote, but the saints sometimes talk about how even in heaven, there's this dynamic between we will always be having our thirst satiated mm-hmm. and at the same time still thirsting. Yep. Right? So it's, it's never fully done. There's always more to God because God is infinite. And so there's always more to receive from him. And that's mm-hmm. hopefully you're sensing listeners like the great excitement of this invitation of prayer. It's again, vocal prayer is important. It's necessary, but there's more than just rattling off prayers and meditation while that is also good, sometimes, if we're not careful, it can stay in our heads and we're analyzing a scripture text. We're staying lost in our thoughts. But now the sort of next phase in our prayer lives is what the church refers to as contemplative prayer. And this is more where the words sort of fall off from the side and we're more just focused on being in the Lord's presence, in the silence, and in the stillness. One of the definitions that the catechism gives to kind of begin to get a grasp of this is that contemplative prayer is a gaze of faith fixed on Jesus. The catechism right after that, it shares the example of St. John Vianney. He was walking through church one day and he saw this man looking like he was in deep prayer as he was gazing on the tabernacle. And St. John Vianney asked him, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm, I'm praying. And St. John Vianney asks him, well, how is it that you pray? 
And the man very simply responded, well, I look at him and mm -hmm. he looks at me. All right, so simple. And yet at the same time, because we can get so distracted or because maybe we have these false ideas that God is not good or I can't be vulnerable around him, it takes a long time to get to that place. So Emma, when you were talking about this quest that we go through and how as we grow in prayer, it's a time of purifying. It's purifying us for the sake of being able to be in God's presence in this posture of vulnerability, of receptivity, of acknowledging the reality of just how poor and dependent I am, mm -hmm. right? To be able to acknowledge that contemplative prayer is a grace from God. It's not something that I earn. God is not a genie or a vending machine where I just kind of put in the numbers and then I get to summon him. Like God is a person. God is three persons, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's inviting me into relationship with him. So contemplative prayer is when we've begun to be more receptive instead of just analyzing scripture passages and saying prayers. Those things have now helped us to move into this loving gaze of faith fixed on Jesus, as the Catechism puts it. And I know for my own life, again, this, this took a while to be able to pray in something that resembles more of a contemplative prayer, because even nowadays, sometimes when I'm in prayer, I, I, I always have some sort of vocal prayer in my hour of prayer that mm -hmm. I pray every day. I always either pray a litany or I pray the Liturgy of the Hours. I have some sort of vocal prayer to sort of ground me and get my mind and my heart focused on the things of God, then I usually will spend some time in more of a meditative prayer. It's usually looking at the scripture reading for the day or for the upcoming Sunday as I'm maybe imagining myself in the scenery or I'm just trying to be attentive to what word or phrase from the reading sticks out to me for me to just kind of chew on and to meditate on. And sometimes I can then move into more of a contemplative form of prayer where I'm simply able to be with God and, and gaze on him in this disposition of, of faith and love. Although sometimes I tend to be bogged down by the thoughts. I'm so busy thinking about things that happened in the past or things coming up in the future, or I just want to drill down and analyze this passage mm -hmm. instead of, or what is a... Uh, God say in the psalm, be still and right. know what is that this, I am What's God. the Greek word for this or things like that? Yeah, you yeah, try exactly. Try to analyze it. and All things yeah. that are good, but things that can end up preventing you from going in deeper relationship. And so I think that the analogy of a perhaps a married couple would be helpful as well. You know, if you have been married for a number of years, maybe you can look back when you first met and you were first having conversations. There was that lovely, awkward, small talk and just getting to know you it's, it's exciting but at the same time it's like what are we doing here and mary kate is laughing and maybe it's because she can relate i was gonna say have you related to this can you can you relate to what that's like so jason and i were actually friends for two years before we started dating but the first day after he asked me to be his girlfriend we went to a corpus christi procession and on the way back home it was just the most awkward thing ever oh, I love it because we had obviously crossed this threshold but at the same time it was like this is really weird <laughs> <laughs> thing, like, we still have so much further to go <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very weird uh, yeah so hopefully and then like this is this is the great thing about love right love has this capacity to grow infinitely that's what saint paul was saying in our readings just last weekend from mm -hmm. first corinthians that in heaven we won't have faith or hope anymore we will ha only have love and so this married couple then has the capacity to go from 
awkward small talk, which is sort of an analogy for just starting out with vocal prayer, to then hopefully by the end of your lives, you're able to just be with your beloved. Words are not necessary. You have this deep knowledge of who the person is, and they have a deep knowledge of who you are, and you can just be together in this union of love. Maybe the feelings are there some days, maybe they're not. Same with contemplative prayer. Oftentimes there will not be these amazing, overwhelming emotional feelings of a closeness to God. And yet, nevertheless, we continue to have that gaze fixed on Jesus in faith. Right. I know for me personally, there's sometimes that I'm sitting in Eucharistic adoration and I'm just, I'm staring at Jesus and I feel nothing. You know, I just, I just stare at him, but I know that he's also gazing back at me too. Mm -hmm. Even if there's no words or thoughts that are exchanged, but it's being in his presence and just contemplating who he is in the Eucharist, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that he is present. and He sees you. Right. And sometimes that is the most fruitful prayer, Mm -hmm. too. There are sometimes that I leave Eucharistic adoration maybe not saying too much or not feeling too much, but at the same time, my my soul is filled more than if I would have maybe just stayed at vocal prayer the whole time and tried to just fill it or Mm -hmm. with... Oh, I'm just going to pray a rosary and then I'm going to pray the liturgy of the hours and I'm going right. to do all this stuff without taking that time to just be. You know? right. So, um, that's really good. For any consolation for you, any listeners, that if that's ever happened to you, like, oh, yeah. doesn't mean that you're praying wrong, mm-hmm. but it just means that, that the Lord is speaking to you at such an intimate level that you may not even realize He's doing it at that moment, but maybe even five years from now. Mm-hmm. you would realize what he was doing in that moment. So Yeah, I really appreciate that. And that's something that maybe Emma should have shown up to little Kevin just starting out seminary and just kind of starting his prayer life. If you would have given me that pep talk, I think that would have been really helpful because I know over the years there were a lot of questions of like, well, I don't feel God's presence in my prayer. Does that mean I must be doing something wrong, mm-hmm. etc.? And no, there's a deep and very rich uh, tradition that we have in our church and the saints can attest to those periods of dryness where you don't necessarily feel God, but it's a, it's a time to expand our desire for God, to be able to receive more of him. It's a time to exercise our faith and our hope. There's a number of beautiful things that are happening that we just have to trust are taking place under the surface, even when prayer seems dry mm-hmm. or it seems like it's not accomplishing anything. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And it's a good thing that our faith isn't solely based on emotions or feelings alone, because they're like, (laughs) if that were the case, I would have been done years ago. (laughs) Like, you know, and so we show up. That's all that Jesus asks us is to show up. And even if your vocal prayer for your prayer time is, Jesus, I really don't even know what to pray. Mm hmm. But then you sit there and he will show you, he will guide you, he will touch your heart. Or he'll give you a little bit of a kick and get your act together, you know. Mm-hmm. He likes to do that sometimes too. The, the important part is that you show up, you use the vocal prayer that leads to the meditative prayer that leads into that contemplation. Yeah, Amen. as you guys were talking, I had the thought, especially when you said that it's like a quest. I just remembered the part in The Hobbit when Bilbo's running off on the road and he says i'm going on an adventure (laughs) and it brought to mind john paul ii's quote life with christ is a wonderful adventure and Mm. each parts of these prayers you know vocal mental contemplative those are all steps on that adventure Mm. and i I think that's a good way of thinking about it Mm -hmm. Mm. i like that too cool 
much. Great. Thank you, ladies. That was a good conversation on prayer. We had the recommendations at the beginning of the episode of some books. I would just also mention specifically regarding contemplative prayer, there's always the classics, right? St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross have a number of really good works. But my personal favorite is an author named Father Donald Haggerty, and he has several books out on contemplative prayer. One is Contemplative Hunger. The other is uh, Contemplative Provocations. So I would just throw those out there as some recommendations. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Let's move on to our one joys. Let's do it. Mary-Kate, what's your one joy? I didn't touch my nose in time. Uh, all right. Well, so we didn't do nose ghosts this I time know, anyways. I, I just called you out, so. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, so Mary Trez is turning two on February 27th. What? I can't believe that she is almost two. It feels like it's unreal. Wow. But now... On the 27th, I will be a mom of three, two, and under, not three under two. Hold on. I'm still not following. Three, two, two and, and under. under. She will be two, so. Three, two, and under. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm catching on. I got it. Took a minute, but we're good. <laughs> <laughs> three, two, and under. Got it. All right. You need to get that on a shirt, although it would probably only be... It's only you know, good for a, for a year. year. And then but hey, just make it your best year ever. <laughs> make it worth getting that t-shirt. Sounds good. All right. Universal okay. goat. Yeah, so my one joy, honestly, it's the snow. I love snow. And I know this is this episode will come out after the snow probably has melted and or has, I don't know, disappeared to some degree, right? But I just love the snow. So, that is my one joy. Good for you. And it's like that good packing snow, too. It is. Like for a snowball fight. I was going to say, we totally could have a snowball fight. Man. (laughs) Can you imagine Jonah and our fact checker, Steven, in a snowball fight with (gasps) us? This would be great. (laughs) This would be be great. That'd be epic. Oh, no. Uh They're making plans. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. They're getting ready. Let's do it. Uh, So one joy for me, I've been hosting a series of discussions at the parish. We're kind of doing a book study on a book called Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church by Brandon Vaught. And it's been able to facilitate some really good discussions amongst parishioners who have children who have fallen away from the faith. I think Mm -hmm. it's been a really good kind of community builder for us. And it's been just an honor for me to be able to initiate that and give those parents a community to be able to talk about these things and help draw their children back to the church and to just give them hope and to challenge them. So it's been wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. We had a good conversation here on prayer and we challenge you to take what it is that we said and maybe apply it to your prayer life this week. If you have the chance to uh, go to an adoration chapel and to pray that's great otherwise as we've mentioned in other episodes if you can just get away for five to ten minutes in your room whatever the case may be just give the lord what it is that you have what it is that you can do and just trust that he will bless it and make fruits come about so until next week we hope that you have a blessed week and maybe we can just close real quick with prayer 
In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful week. See ya.